Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Fort Bragg's backyard, this is the show that put the 110 Nation on the map. There is only one nation, the 110 Nation. And you're listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show. Covering each and every sport across the board. There is no sport too large or too little. It's time to talk to talk. Here we go. Here's the man, the founder, and your host, Mr. CJ Sports. Welcome, everybody, to the One Ten Nation Sports Show. I'm your host, Mr. CJ Sports. You can follow me at CJ Sports One. You can follow the One Ten Nation at One Ten Nation. Check us out on Facebook, my personal fan page, Mr. CJ Sports. The One Ten Nation fan page, One Ten Nation Sports. Also, check out our site, www.1tennationsports.com, for all the all the latest going on here at the One Ten Nation. I am trying to make it through tonight's show once again. I am broadcasting live on remote at 801 North Main Street, Spring Lake, North Carolina. Yes, that is the Circle K in Spring Lake. Uh, just let me know that you're listening in. Stop by and hook you up with a free Polar Pop. Um, once again, nobody wants to work. So once again, I'm here open to close. That's uh, four, uh, four open to close in the last few days. I cannot wait until March 17th when I make my way down to the Myrtle uh, Speedway and uh, – check out the open modified wheel and then uh, go down the floor and then see my nephews spend some quality time that I didn't get to do um, when the uh, my brother passed away a few weeks ago. But uh, looking forward to that. And all this 20-hour days, multiple 20-hour days, and no days off for the last month is all for the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, got one person coming back from maternity leave, another person uh, – um, decided he wanted to keep his job, so he's coming back, and I got two background checks. Hopefully that means, hopefully that equals me having some time off uh, and some well, well-needed well time off. But uh, we got uh, Molly joining us tonight. I'm looking forward to uh, having her back on the show. We had her last year. We uh, um, had a, a big announcement on Facebook. I reached out and uh, told her we need to get her back on the show and uh, find out what's going on in 2018 and check out what uh, what went on in her off season, and so uh, she gladly uh, graced us with the uh, opportunity of coming on tonight. So looking forward to that. Um, don't forget, uh, I got I got well, I, I can't yet. Yeah. I got to thank uh, Fit for Life. You guys can find them on Facebook, Fit for Life, twenty four seven three sixty five. Get your gym on, clean facility, courtesy staff, everything you possibly need or want. That is Fit for Life. 
Also got to thank I-95 Sports Network and Mile, Mile High Radio for rebroadcasting or syndicating our shows. Without these great marketing partners and or networks, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and grow the way we grow. So I got to thank them. Mike, let them know what you got going on Friday, where you can be found, liked, and all the whatnot. Okay, we got one uh, one confirmed guest, uh, Kevin uh, Gambacola, and uh, Coda, and he is a late model driver from Stafford. I mentioned that I wanted to get as many of these guys on uh, during the off season because they run on um, Friday nights, and so they wouldn't be on the live show strapped in their race car. Uh, talking to us on the phone uh, uh, in the regular season. So I will have as many of those guys on, guys and girls, as I can uh, from that particular track uh, before uh, they kick off their season in April. Um, and also I've invited Chris Turbush. We have not, I have not talked to Chris myself even uh, in a while. He had uh, gone through a period where he drove a truck for uh, Dave Koenig in Dangerous Dave Racing and also competes in the uh, late model division at uh, Riverhead. So that's my two invited guests, and I have uh, my fallback list as usual. If one of those were not, if Chris can't make it, I will uh, in the next two days definitely rustle somebody up for the second hour. Uh, but also Jimmy Wilson, who couldn't come on this week, will be on next week. So keep that in mind for you fans of the Whalen Modified Tour. Right before uh, CJ goes down, we will have um, Jimmy on to talk about any rules changes, new drivers, uh, new sign-ups, new registrations in the Whalen Modified Tour, uh, whatever goes on for 2018. You can find me on my personal Facebook page, the 110 Nation pages, the 110 Nation blog site, the Hot Laps with Stats pages, and I'll put up the announcement about Kevin right after the show, uh, and also the blog site and my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. So... A lot of things going on, Mike. A lot of things going on. I'm glad to be able to be here tonight. Um, tell you what, it's been a long day. Um, rough, rough morning. <laughs> North Carolina weather all over the place. Uh, Thirty-something degrees when I get up this morning. It gets up to seventy. Now it's starting to cool back down. Um, I just want to uh, apologize to the fan, the listeners out there, and any of our guests. Um, if we, we have any communication issues, um, I, I am trying my hardest. It's been a month straight without a day off. I am trying my hardest to get a staff in here. So I am home and in the studio every uh, single night that there's a show when I'm not broadcasting live from out of my office and, um, <laughs> and having to sit up here with complications and tech issues and everything else. And, uh, so I do apologize and I, I can't say a, a thanks enough. Um, to Mike, Chris, Craig, and Miss Lee for uh, um, picking up uh, the slack when uh, those things happen. Uh, I I try to plan my day and do everything I can physically and mentally possibly do to make sure that everything lines up so that 
I am done usually no later than 7 o'clock so I can have time to sit, get eight, and uh, be be ready to go for the show. And it, it don't matter. It seems like it don't matter how hard I try physically, mentally, um, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it just seems that it never pans out. It, it hit me real bad today because I have not gotten to spend any quality time with my uh, son for a while. I, I've not had a day off in a month now and with school and everything else. Um, and yesterday, with it being my birthday, I was supposed to pick him up. And I wasn't even supposed to be on the show last night. The plans was for me to work until 5, 6 o'clock, and then go get my son once he got done with homework, go take him to get something to eat, and we was going to go watch a movie together. Um, spend some quality time, and I I didn't get to do that, and, you know, I had to hear how upset he was this morning, you know, from my ex, how upset he was last night, and how uh, he didn't eat most of the afternoon waiting so that he was good and hungry for us to go out and eat and everything else, and, um, you know, I was already upset as it was that I didn't get out of here and get to go do it, and then you, you, get, you have to hear that and hear how upset and how much you let down your own child. It's, it's, so hopefully, hopefully, this is this bumpy road is about over with. I can't remember how much more I can take of this. Okay, CJ, um, I think Molly's in the studio. You want me to plug her in? Sure. <clears throat> I want to. I want Hold to uh, welcome. Hold on, just a second. Uh, where is the plug? Let's go. Uh, hello. Oh. oh, here we go. There, there she is. Molly, Hello. Is that you? <laughs> I, okay. Can you I hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you. Okay, great. I want to uh, welcome Molly to the show. Um, we had her on last year. I don't know if that's the only time. We might have had, had you on one other time. I can't remember. Uh, but I, I know that you had some uh, big announcements on Facebook and things going on, and that's when I reached out um, at the beginning of this season. Um, of course, we're going to want to revisit you later in the season and towards the end of the season and see how this year played out for you. But uh, I figured that was a great opportunity to see how the offseason went, what the plans are, what the goals are, and what 2018 is looking like. Before we jump into that, I want to give you an opportunity, like I do with everybody, to uh, plug yourself social media-wise, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever the, whatever it is you use to interact with your uh, fans and the listeners. Um, any personal site, team site, uh, sponsors, anything you want to throw out there, that way the listeners can keep up with you not only in the 2018 season but moving forward with your career. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always nice to be on your guys' show. Um, but my name is Molly Helmuth, M-O-L-L-Y, last name Helmuth, H-E-L-M-U-T-H, and I like to spell it just so that people know. Um, but you can follow me and my schedule and go to my my store website by just going to www.mollyhelmuth.com. You can go follow me on Twitter, which is molly underscore helmuth90. Um, I have Instagram, which is molly underscore helmuth. And my Facebook is molly helmuth. So pretty much just search my name and you'll find me on um, any social media platform. I try to stay in connection with all my fans and on all those different media platforms. But, um, yeah, it's been a very, very busy time for me, but it's also very exciting. We'll start with the uh, off season before we get into the announcement with 2018, um, is got for you. Um, when, when is cause different regions of the United States off seasons are a little bit different because the weather's different. 
Um, of course, you're way, way out there. You're in Washington, <laughs> am I correct? Yes, yeah. I'm in Seattle, Washington. So right now <laughs> it's uh, overcast, a little bit of rain. Last week we had some snow, and then a couple days we had some sunshine. It's just very all over the board at the moment. But um, uh, I guess what we do in the off season compared to most people is, you know, we're just constantly in the race shops, and um, our season doesn't normally start until later. And usually when the season does start, it's the first race is usually rained out. Um, so, yeah, we do get um, some unfortunate weather here, but um, just staying in the shop and keeping busy in that that aspect and working on sponsorships and, you know, staying in the gym and working out and getting phys- physically fit for the season. Um, but, I mean, we keep ourselves busy over here. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Um, what, what have you done in this off season to maybe prepare yourself a little bit differently um, if it be physically, mentally, um, car-wise, have you done anything different in this off-season that you haven't done in prior off-seasons um, to, to get yourself ready for 2018? Well, I've always um, been interested and in known that I have to be physically fit in order to be in a race car. I mean, I'm already petite as it is. I weigh 105 pounds, and I'm, you know, five foot one. So I'm, I'm pretty petite, and to, to wheel, you know, just a a big race car with lots of horsepower it's pretty tough for me but um so I've always been into into being in the gym and stuff but this off season I've you know like in prior years I was in the gym like three or four times a week but now I'm in the gym you know five to six times a week um so that's I've I've already seen like a huge gain in that aspect which is really great so I'm I'm pretty curious to see um how I'm going to perform by getting into the car next week um, and just in the physical aspect of it. Um, But then also just working with sponsorships a a whole bunch. I mean, I've always been interested in sponsorships and marketing and, and doing all that. But this year, because I have such a heavy duty schedule, um, I've really been working on that and trying to get all my sponsors in line and stuff, which I'm not, at the point of announcing all of those, I mean, I'm going to start announcing them here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so that's why I didn't announce anybody um, yet. But once those all get in line, then um, I will start announcing those on my social media pages. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um. What what big what's the biggest difference this year? Is there? Well, let me backtrack. A second. Is there a difference in the cars this year that you're going to be running in versus what you ran in last year? Uh, no, they'll be the same. The only difference 
um, with what I'm doing this year is I'll be traveling back east and running in the super late model division um, at various historical racetracks on the East Coast, which I've never traveled in the super late model before. So this is going to be a huge step. Um, I'm not going to be running my own car, um, but mm-hmm. I have um, a team that I'm going to be working with back there. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be exhausting flying, you know, from, you know, Washington to North Carolina. But, I'm excited for this new adventure and, and I'm very hopeful and optimistic and um, it, it should be really interesting to see how it all goes. So you're going to be in uh, my neck of the woods here in North Carolina. That's uh, a big, di- a big one, big difference in climate and, uh, and environment, but two, um, a big distance between you and your family. Uh, are, are you planning on making a lot of trips back and forth or you just, going to just, you know, holidays or how I, I know what it was like when I left home when I joined the military. And when I first got here to Fort Bragg, it was even as simple as the regular weekend. If we had formation until six o'clock, I, we would, me and two other guys, we would jump in the car and we would drive to Ohio from North Carolina. We would get in about three or four o'clock in the morning. We wouldn't go to sleep. We would spend all day with our family, do what we were going to do Saturday night. We would meet back up about noon on Sunday and drive back. Um, and back then, gas was like 60, 70 cents a gallon. It didn't really cost anything. There were three of us to buy yeah. it. Uh, but, but I know it was like being away from family and, you know, us constantly wanting to go back. Um, have, have you thought about, you know, how you're going to uh, address that? And especially you're, you're about the age I was uh, when I joined the military, so I, I know kind of what it's like. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of fortunate because – I'm going to be able to see my family every week because I'm going to be flying back and forth. Um, So that's why I say it's going to be exhausting. So I'll be running nine events back East and then I'll be running eight events in Washington. So my schedule is pretty heavy. Um, You know, putting it all on a calendar, it's like one week I'm going to be, you know, fly out on a Thursday to get to North Carolina and then race Friday, Saturday, fly back Sunday. Then you have a couple days off. Well, then you have to go back to the racetrack in Washington. And so, um, I'm going to see my family a lot. Um, so I'm not making the whole big move where I'm, you know, packing my bags and really just settling down in North Carolina, which who knows, it, it depends on how the season goes. And, um, uh, maybe I do make that big move next year, but right now I'm going to be able to go back home and rest up and then, you know, fly back and live the dream in North Carolina. So, um, I'm I'm very fortunate in that aspect, but I know I'm going to be exhausted taking a bunch of red eyes and stuff. So I'm just going to have to get used to that. No, I don't. I don't know what the the weather or the seasons are like in Washington, but I want to go ahead and prepare you here in North Carolina. It is very common to see all four seasons in a week. Um, I have I've seen anywhere from seven degrees and snowy to eighty degrees all in the same week. So and, and anything, yeah. everything in between. So. Um, definitely yeah. Well, that, that. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that on the, um, well, and I also re- listen to NASCAR radio all the time. So they'll always talk about the weather and stuff there. And it's like, yeah, it'll be like five inches of snow. And then the next day it's sunny and 70, but that's what also uh, the thing is that we don't have really high humidity in Washington. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm really going to have to deal with, you know, racing back there. It's going to be, um, a total shock for me, but um, I guess I'm just going to have to ride around Washington with my heat 
on high while I drive and just get used to it. it it's crazy, and I'm going to shift over and let Mike take over. It's crazy when in Ohio growing up, if once we hit 70 degrees, we were allowed to be in shorts. That was warm for us. You start getting into <laughs> upper 80s and 90s, you start setting record high. Now, after living in North Carolina as long as I have, 70 degrees, I'm still wanting to be in a hoodie, pants, and everything else where my body's adjusted to it. Um, and I don't know what the snow situation, and obviously you're going to be up here during the summertime, so you probably won't ever see it unless it becomes a full-time thing. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what the what the snow is like in uh, Washington, but I can tell you right now in North Carolina, even if there's a slight possibility of snow, everything shuts down in North Carolina. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Mike, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. We can stop talking about weather. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Mike. Okay. Uh, thanks, CJ. Uh, Molly, how you doing? I just wanted to ask you uh, to start off or tell you uh, that when I was reading your bio, and I, I remember you from last year, we had you on, as CJ said, but I was just refreshing my memory, and I did a double take because I had forgotten temporarily that Evergreen is a is a speedway out there. We have an Evergreen in Pennsylvania. So I, oh, okay. I, I kind of I, I kind of uh, did a double take. I'm like, wow, she's coming east, you know. And then and then it struck me that the first listing was Evergreen Speedway in Washington. I said, okay, that's the, the same name, but I think the one in Pennsylvania, if I if I recall, is Evergreen Raceway. They had, oh, they had okay. originally been, they had originally been Mountain, and then uh, the new owners renamed it. And I remember I remember that that happened, and I, I'd forgotten that there was an evergreen in Washington as well. Um, what what do you think as far as other than the travel? Um, do you see a difference in running? In you know that that any adjustments that you'll have to make because you're in different regions? Um, other than as, as I say, the difference in travel, obviously, but racing wise. Yeah. Um... Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, North Carolina, the East Coast, it's like the center of stock car racing, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of heavy hitters back there, which I'm going to have to obviously adapt to because I've been racing in Washington for, you know, so many years that I've gotten accustomed to who I'm driving against and what their norms are and stuff like that. So, obviously, going to these tracks and running a new series, I'm going to have to really study all the drivers and figure out who, you know, is good to race with and who's not so great to race with and who's going to race me hard and who's going to, you know, give me some space. But I think that's the main thing. And then obviously just being at different tracks that, um, you know, I've never ran at before. So, um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just going to be a whole different complexion of my whole career changing, you know, like you said, travel, time change, um, weather um and then different drivers and different racetracks but the the one thing that's nice is that the race car is pretty similar to what i run here it's just a different chassis and a different motor but they're very very similar to what i run out here so hopefully i adapt quickly and um you know we have some good finishes out there right um something i identify with and i'm interested you know i think the fans would be interested in this there are there are so many uh, or I won't say so many, but a lot more uh, females in the sport now 
uh, in the last couple of seasons and probably going back a while uh, than there were back in the day. But I, I'm a, a little bit aware of this because I'm disabled myself, but in terms of a minority. But do you, do you find uh, a lot of problems with uh, acceptance? Or at this point now, do you, do you feel you've, you've been generally accepted as a race car driver? Um, well, if I go back to when I first got into stock car racing, I made the transition from go-karts to mini stocks, and I was about 14 years old. And at that time, there weren't, you know, really any females um, in the sport at that time. And, you know, I'm 22 years old now, so that was a few years ago. And at that time, I was racing against guys that were twice, you know, three times my age at some point. And um, it was hard. It was really difficult because it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was just very rare for not only a female to be in the sport, but a 14 year old to be in the sport. And, you know, I got a lot of backlash from that. There was a lot of like blogs and stuff where people could go in and, and talk about the racing in the Northwest and stuff like that. And I was constantly on those boards being talked about. And I just kind of realized at a point where I just learned that I can't really listen to the haters. I can't, you know, I just have to, to do what's best for me. Um, and, as I got accustomed to that, you know, I've learned to really shake things off and understand that wherever I move um, up in the ladder, I'm always going to get negative comments. That's just part of it. And um, I think that it's gotten more of the norm to see females come up in the sport. And I'm not saying that I necessarily broke down barriers because I think obviously Danica broke down a lot of barriers, but I think that a lot of in the Northwest per se, I think I and I don't like to keep saying I, but I think I really did help break down that certain barrier because people started to get accustomed to seeing my face and seeing me on the racetrack and stuff like that. And now it's like you have two or three other girls that I'm racing against in super late models that are you know uh, you know two years into their super late model career, and then you have this new division which is called the Youth Hornet Division. There's like six females in that, so it's really awesome to see all these females from the sport but they're not getting the backlash that I used to get, which is nice for them because, I, I mean, it's it's tough to go through, but um, it's nice to see them. But it also is kind of cool to know that I probably had a little bit to do with that, if that makes sense. Well, there's, you know, there is, just to back up your point a little bit, there is uh, in, in, the, in the northeast where I cover, uh, tracks. There's a couple. There's a couple of females that drive like asphalt modifieds, and it goes, you know, ac- regionally across the country. Like where CJ is, there's a couple of females in uh, in um, North Carolina, and also in Arca, we ha- we have a you know one that we uh, ha- always have on the show, and then you in the in the Northwest. So. The fact that it's spreading out across regions is also helpful, I think. So you, you shouldn't get yeah. too much of that when you travel across uh, certain areas of the country anyway. Yeah, no, it's definitely coming, uh, becoming a more of a norm to see females in the sport. And, uh, you know, you see this huge youth movement happening in motorsports. And, 
you know, when I was younger, when I was racing go-karts, I never really saw the backlash because I was racing kids that were my age. And it was, you know, your buddies with them because, you know, you're 12 years old and you're just like, oh, okay. You don't really realize, you know, your parents try to put it in your head when you're a boy and you're racing against a girl. They try to put it in your head like you're racing against a girl. Don't get beat by the girl. But they don't really know either. And I don't know that either. But so now when I'm starting to race against, you know, this whole youth movement of drivers that are, you know, a little bit younger or a little bit older than me, I feel like they are more aware of that because they grew up doing that. They they grew up racing against females, but it was hard for me when I was making that transition, when I was racing against guys that were twice, three times my age, you know, they were back in the 70s or the 80s when, yeah, it was very rare for females to even, like, come in the pits to the racetrack. So, um, so I think that racing against people that are kind of similar in age, it's a little bit better, but I'm not going to say that they're going to give me any slack because they're not, they're going to race me harder. If not that, or they're going to race me hard, if not harder than they are than the rest of the male competition out there. And I know that from experience. So, um, but I think that at the end of the day, it just teaches me how to be a better driver and to get out of certain situations and try to just be a, you know, when you are fighting through tough obstacles, you just become a better person once you escape that off obstacle, if that makes sense. So um, it should be interesting, though. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Right. Now, you, you, uh, you said that you are um, not going to race your own car, but you're racing with the, uh, the way, way you travel, you're racing with another team. But since you have uh, your own car and you're used to that vehicle, uh, do you think that it'll, it'll help you with the transition process as far as, you know, strapping into somebody else's car? Because basically you've driven those cars before just, you know, the the car you drove obviously was your own, but it's the same it's the same car, correct? Yeah. So um, I guess the thing that's nice about the car that I'm racing back east is yeah, it's like a different chassis and things. The only the thing is is that I was able to bring my own seat because I had a spare seat because I have two cars. So I took one seat out of my car and um, I brought it back east. So that's a comfort factor, just to know that I'm in my own race seat. You know, I brought my own steering wheel, so that's nice because it's like, I mean, all the steering wheels are pretty standard. It just depends on what size of steering wheel you want. And so I was able to bring my own steering wheel, so that's nice because, again, it's another comfort factor. The only thing that's necessarily going to be truly different is, you know, the shifter and um, the switches and stuff like that. But I think that will be – I'll get – fairly used to that pretty quickly um 
but I don't really know what to say about like the handling of the race car or how it's going to drive because I mean I haven't been in it yet but I think that I'll be able to adjust pretty quickly because back in about 2012 I was doing um, triple duty I was racing mini stocks I was racing super late models and I was racing pro four trucks all at the same time and I was you know, getting out of one car and going into the next. And I was able to adapt pretty quickly. So I don't think it should be that big of a struggle um, to get used to that. But um, but you never know. Right. How many divisions now this year with this with this move, uh, are you going to stay with the Super 8 models or are you going to move around as far as, I mean, I saw on your profile that you're even, uh, I guess, licensed to drive the uh, – uh, 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 I want to say Craftsman Camping World uh, Truck Series as well. Uh, will you be moving around or will you basically, I mean, I know you're moving around regionally, but yeah. moving around as far as uh, different cars, or you, will, be, will you be sticking with the super late models this year? I'll just be sticking with the super late model for this year. Um, I mean, we all know that what the sport is driven by and that sponsorship dollars. And so, um, it's obviously a big jump in money when you're moving from super late models to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm hoping that this gets me a lot of exposure um, by traveling back east and I start hitting major corporations saying, you know, you're getting more national exposure by racing in the northwest and the east coast. And so the demographic gets a little bit bigger for their brand. Um, so hopefully you know, me doing this. And again, if I have great success, hopefully it attracts a sponsor and then they can, they can take me up to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. But, um, I guess we'll just find, find that out. But I'm just, I'm just crossing my finger that fingers that's the case. But again, it's all about connections and meeting the right people and, and showing them what marketing through motorsports is all about and taking them to that, that next level. Right, and I know from my experience as a, as a you know as being around the racetrack in in Riverhead, even a local one, um, for for a long time, uh, that uh, you know certain guys from Long Island have moved to uh, North Carolina since that, as you mentioned, is like the hub of racing at this point. Um, but uh, I'm interested in how many people have you uh, f- figured out how many people. Uh, with national exposure have uh, started in, in Washington State. Uh, the one I can think of off the top of my head is Greg Biffle. And yeah, not too many. And Casey, you have Casey Kane, too. Yeah, uh, Casey he's from Enumclaw. Right. Well, but, yeah. Um, no, I'm just curious because Biffle is the one that, you know, was on the front of my mind. And I was just wondering uh, how many others. Had, you know, if any had made made any, but you mentioned Casey as well. I forgot yeah. about him, but um, yeah, it's it's possible. And like you say, now that you're coming east and and even uh, North Carolina, a little bit down south, you should you know you should attract uh, um, you know if not sponsors and fans, and you know it grows from there. Um, yeah. So, uh, is there any? Um, is, is there any division that you feel that you've been most successful at and that you want to, um, you know, not get back into because you said you're going to stay with the um, super late models this year. But um, as, as, as far as that goes, what do you feel that you have to improve on to, um, I guess, uh, have better finishes or 
you know, all throughout the year. And again, I always preface this question by saying whoever I ask it of, all drivers want to finish first. But, you know, nobody straps into a car and says, I think I'll finish second tonight. But realistically, um, do you have a, a, you know, a goal that you set for yourself, especially considering that it will be with a new team and everything and the travel and everything will be basically new? at least for those tracks, you know, that you travel to. And uh, like you said, back in Washington, you're familiar with, but uh, especially with the team that you're going to be with, uh, with, you know, on the East coast. Um, Do you have a goal set for yourself? Even in your own head? Yeah. So going back to the first question about um, going into, if I felt like I had more success in another series or not, I mean, I always had fun racing Pro 4 trucks and stuff like that, and I had pretty great success in that. Um, go-karts were always fun. But the thing is is that there was just a different mentality a different mentality then just because I was younger. I just, like, didn't understand the sport. I didn't understand what the, the side effects or, you know, like what could potentially happen. I was just young and just got in the car just because it seemed fun to do. And so I – I had pretty much had no fear and I feel like, and I was thinking about this today, it was like, yeah, there was a lot of top three finishes and stuff like that in the pro four trucks and mini stocks. But I, and I do feel that if I were to go back to that series, I would definitely perform higher just because I've raced heavier cars and faster cars. And um, obviously I've raced against really stiff competition. So I think I would do really well if I were to go back, but that's, you know, just backtracking. That's not getting you anywhere. It's not really progress. I mean, seat time is seat time. That's great. But, um, you know, racing a super late model is probably the best thing that you can do um, competition-wise and and just getting ready to move for the next level. Um, In regards to my goals, I mean, my goals are just kind of all over the board. I mean, yeah, like you said, you always want to finish first. You always want success. You but in this sport, you have so many more bad days than you do good days. I mean, it's just it's just what it is. I mean, the sport's difficult. It's really hard, and it's not. It's just not easy. But um, I think my goals are pretty much to obviously qualify better. I've never been that great of a qualifier, but it's gotten better over the years, and I understand that qualifying at the front of the pack is more ideal because usually it's like the first two rows usually when they win the event in a lot of cases, um, especially at Evergreen. So qualifying well and doing that is one of my goals. Um, going back East, it's just adapting to the car quick, getting up to speed and practice really quick and just being on the board. And again, qualifying is a huge key and, you know, finishing every lap of the race is really important as well. So um, there's a lot of mini goals, but it's just overall, it's just putting my whole heart into this whole process, whether it's on track, off track, whatever, just putting my whole heart into it and just knowing that I did the best that I could that night. So um, I guess that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, But yeah, of course I want success. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's just, everyone wants success, but uh it's just how, how you go about it and um, who you're racing against that night. Right. Last question for me uh, is is this. I was wondering, too, about uh, obviously until you're under race conditions, and I'm talking now about the 
uh, not so much in Evergreen because you've been there and, and you're familiar with it, but the uh, the team you're going to be with, uh, because you haven't been under race conditions with them yet, do you really know or have you really discussed uh, communication and how that's going to work or or things like that? And then have you been in the car? I know you said you put your seat, you know, you brought your seat and your steering wheel, so obviously they measured you for the car and everything probably by now. But you haven't really been, unless you've been racing, um, you haven't really been communicating with the team you know, inside the car and out and so forth. Yes, you've talked to them, I'm sure, and, you know, preliminarily, but um, you haven't really been under race conditions. Uh, uh, what, is, what is your feeling about that? How long do you think you'll have to, uh, uh, how long will that adjustment uh, period take? Um, so I'll be actually flying back to North Carolina tomorrow night. I take a red eye. I'll be there Friday morning. So I'll be there Friday to next Thursday and on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're thinking about those days. Hopefully the weather, the weather cooperates, but um, I'll be testing at Hickory and potentially Orange County, which are two racetracks that I'll be at um, this year. So that'll be my first time getting into that car and, you know, racing back East. So that's exciting, and it's nice just to know that I'll be able to have some laps under my belt in that car um, before the first race of the season at Myrtle Beach. So um, that's nice. So then I'll be able to have the communication with, um, you know, my crew chief and my spotter and and other crew members that are coming to help me um, just so that we kind of get used to each other and they know how I work and um, how I drive and and all that before we're going into that first race. but I think I'll be able to adapt pretty quickly. I mean, I've had a lot of crew chiefs and spotters over the years. And, um, I mean, finding the right person is obviously very important, but I feel like just in the last, you know, two months, I've really kind of gotten a grasp of the team and, and the car owner. And I like their demeanor and how calm they are and precise with everything. And I just think that we have like this, this fit so far. And so, um, hopefully it, transpires to the racetrack and we have really great success but um yeah i mean it's i'm just thankful that i'll be able to go to the racetrack next week and and put some laps down on the car that's ironic too i saw that on your schedule um cj is going to be down for the 110 on uh uh to beach speedway for the rail and modified opener and you were going to be there a week later so uh, I know you'll have to come back down, and maybe we'll meet each other. <laughs> that's ironic. I saw that on your uh, on your schedule today. Okay, CJ, yeah. take it. All right, I, I got two final questions, and I'm gonna get you wrapped up. And uh, we definitely got to stay in touch. Um, the Myrtle Beach Speedway is only an hour and a half, two hours from my house, so it's uh, definitely oh, cool. a uh, a possibility. Um, one, I, I know Martin Truex and the Furniture Row team kind of changed the, the outlook of having to be in North Carolina to win a championship or be successful. Um, do you do you feel – before it, was a, it seemed like it was a must. Now maybe not so much a must because Martin Truex and that team kind of changed that a little bit. Um, do, you, do you feel being in North Carolina and, and the exposure that you get in North Carolina is a must to advance advance your career? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've known since pretty much day one that, again, that the whole hub of racing's back there and 
I mean, just in the just in the last couple of months that I've been there, I've met so many wonderful people within the industry. I mean, like I went to Fury Race Cars, which is um, which is the chassis that I'll be running this year, and I was with Tony Jr. and TJ Majors, who used to spot for uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and now spots for Joey Logano, and then Brad Keselowski walked in, and it was just like this whole, you know, it was just so relaxed. It's like you don't see that in Washington. You, you're not able just to walk into a shop and shake somebody's hand that, you know, you see on TV or whatever. It's just, it, and then you just see him as like a normal person, I guess. And so being able to shake people's hands and say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm trying to do, the more people that know your name and see your face, you know, the more opportunities it does open. And that, you know, broadens your fan base, which is also great for getting sponsors. Um, and the, I mean, the thing though is, I think the hardest thing for running a race team in Washington versus North Carolina is North Carolina, you're in like a, a a block of just all these just race car shops, whether it's a steering wheel company or it's second chance race parts um, or chassis manufacturers or whatever, they're all right there. So if you need a part, you just go and you get it. But when you're in Washington, you have to call, you have to wait for it. You have to pay shipping. You have to wait, you know, a week. Sometimes if you have to get a second day air, you know, the prices are just out the roof. So, I mean, if you're racing in North Carolina, you save a lot more money and time and effort by just being there and being able to pick up parts. So I think that's one downside to racing in um, Washington, but I think the competition and stuff is all really great in Washington and um, the tracks are really awesome. So I don't think that there's a downside to racing, but just like running a race team, there's a big downside and, and obviously not having the right people surrounding in the Northwest. And my final question is, I want to step away from the uh, the track and the racing just uh, for the final question. Off-season, um, what was the uh, most exciting or the biggest thing that you got to do in this off-season that didn't involve racing? Oh. What did I do that did not involve racing? <laughs> um, Man. Well, I did. I, I took my dad to Katy Perry. My dad is a big Katy Perry fan, and I bought him tickets for <laughs> – uh, Christmas, and so a couple weeks ago we were able to go see Katy Perry, and she was pretty good. She it was cool. I mean, it was different, so that was kind of fun. But it was a night out with my family, so that's always wonderful. Well, Molly, I want to uh, wish you the best of luck in your new adventure. Um, like I said, make sure you keep in touch. Uh, Myrtle Beach, I'm going down there the 17th to watch the open uh, mo- open wheel modified. I would love to have the opportunity to come back down the next week. It's only an hour, two hour drive and uh, be able to meet you and, um, and hang out and watch the racing uh, that weekend as well. So make sure you keep in touch, but I want to wish you the best of luck this year. Hopefully uh, we get you back later on the year, catch up and uh, get updated on everything that's been going on and uh, good luck. Great. Thank you so much. And was it your birthday yesterday? Yes, ma'am. It was. Oh, well, happy (laughs) birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it, and I hope to meet you guys some at some point in the future. Yes, okay. Yeah, right Great. Thank you. I'll tell you what, Mike. I guess I guess uh, when she said she was 22, I, I kind of was – I had to step back a second. I, I've been following Molly for a while. I, it seems like I've had her on my Facebook probably three or four years 
And that's why I had said, you know, her moving, you know, I, I kind of moved in the same time frame when I moved for the military because I was 18. And I don't know, I, I have to honestly, and I'm not one of those that, oh, I, I've been 35 for 10 years or, you know, well, now I'll be 30 for 10 years, kind of too small, don't feel like I get older. I don't think about it. Um, you know, I, I, I've been in relationships. I mean, Shorty's, what, 13, 12, 13 years younger than me. Um, uh, my ex before that was five, six years younger than me. I've always, I'm a very active, very go, go, go. When I, I'm able to get in the gym, I'm in the gym. You know, this, this week alone, I have, I, I don't, I ain't clocked in for two days and I've already, I still got to take 10 hours off my time and we're only on Wednesday. Um, and so it, it is go, and I hardly get, you know, sleep and, I I actually have to sit there and think about, you know, wow, I was born in 1978. That makes me 40 years old. Like, I don't think about it. And I guess that's in part of why I I, I don't think about other people aging as well. I think another one that kind of threw me off was Natalie. I, I wasn't thinking she was as old because I've been following Natalie since she was, like, mid-teen. Um, you know, I, I we, we had Natalie on the last two years, and then the year before that we had um, – she was on Steve uh, Steve's show, and then I had been following her a year or two before even that. And so right. um, when, when she said she was 22, I was like, wow, have I really missed all? Because, I, I, like I said, I was thinking late teens, maybe 20 pushing it. Um, I, I wasn't thinking 22. And you know, I guess I, I just – like I said, I, I think I get in this bad habit of – I don't think about myself aging. Most people don't. If I'm in the gym and I have slimmed down to where I need to be and I'm clean, cut, and shaped, I've had many people hang out with me for my birthdays. And even when I was in mid to late 30s, we were talking about three years ago, I think 36, 37. Um, it might have been my 37th birthday. They thought I was just getting into my 30s. They, they thought I was your late 20s or early 30s. Um, and... I guess I just don't ever think about that. And you just kind of threw me off when she said 20. I was like, wow. Is, is yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about that. But anyway, I um, love having Molly on the show. Um, very energetic. The very. Interesting, the the interesting thing about that, CJ, is when she started talking, I forget what question she answered. And in the midst of answering it, she said, I'm 22 now. She was talking about herself like she was a veteran racer. And I'm <laughs> thinking, well, yeah. You know, you, at, back in back in the day, you would be the young racer. Now you're the veteran because we have guys starting at nine to fourteen. You know, uh, yeah. that's the way it goes. But you know, now twenty two is a veteran racer. Back then, you know, twenty two was the youngster strapping in. You know, really funny. I had a trickle with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, I'm okay, glad to have her on the show. Um, always very quiet, very energetic. I was surprised she remembered my birthday. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody behind the scenes told her. Um, I, I know I follow her on Facebook, but I, I didn't know if we was actually friends on Facebook. Maybe we were. Um, but uh, uh, definitely a surprise there, and uh, very thankful that you know she took the time to uh, wish me a happy birthday, and all those out there that did. Um. Uh, I got a lot of uh, a lot of love showed to me yesterday. I just wore it, wish the people at work would have shown me the the same love and came to work, so I, I could have had some personal family um, that that I don't get. <laughs> I think 
from the show anyway, from the from the station anyway. Um, you're right hit the top of the hour. Let me go ahead and thank uh, Fit for Life. You guys can find them on Facebook. Fit for Life. You can also go to our site www. No, you can't go to our site. I don't know. So used to saying that. Um, <laughs> this weekend. The, the goal is the goal is because my daughter comes back from maternity leave this weekend, so she is going to be working. My goal is to get up. Go open the store, be there at 4.30 to walk her, or actually do the opening myself this weekend. I'm trying to make her shifts a little bit short since she's just coming back from maternity leave. Um, she'll be relieving me one day at 7, I think both days at 7 or something. And I may have to come back for an hour here or there throughout the day, but that is the extent of what I got to work this weekend. So I should have, I don't have a day off, and I still got to probably put four or five hours in, but compared to the 20-hour days, um, that's a drop in the bucket. So I should have plenty of time this weekend to get the uh, Fit for Life um, banner on our site. So all you guys got to do is just click it and find a location near you, uh, 24-7, 365, get your gym on. I'm also going to work on putting a banner up for the I-95 um, and the, uh, the Mile High Radio um, for syndicating our shows. That way you guys can click and it takes you to their site and their station um, to find out what else that they uh, have going on and what other shows and whatever, what else they're, you know, what else they have playing on their uh, station. So, guys, make sure you check that out. But I got to thank uh, Fit for Life, the I-95 Sports Network, and Mount High Radio. Um, without, uh, the, without these great marketing partners and uh, networks, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and grow the way we grow. So I got to thank them. Um, make sure you guys uh, give us a follow. Um, follow us on Twitter at 110 Nation. Give us a like on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. Make sure you do check out our site. A lot of great work going on over there. Um, uh, we, we, I, I added uh, a feature to block all the spam. This lead was about to uh, reach through the computer and chop my head off um, because uh, the plugin that uh, is used to block all the spam um, it had expired, and she was getting about – I don't know how her email ended up being the email that linked up to that to the, that WordPress. Um, usually it's my emails, but somehow hers got linked up to it, so she was getting all the spam emails. She was getting about 30 to 40 emails a day, um, and she was, she was about ready to reach through the computer and choke me, but I, I got that taken care of. I had to wait for the, the funds all to come in to take care of things, but we got that taken care of. We got some other things we're working on. Um, I know there's another plug-in she's uh, wanting me to work on to uh, um, help uh, make the, 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 the articles even better and embed the links and everything else. I'm working on that. But uh, Mike's he's got some articles over there, and Miss Lee's been sharing the press releases from all the great teams and, and drivers and organizations that we're a part of. Uh, I know Shannon's got stuff in the works. Izzo's got stuff in the works. Um so make sure you guys check that out. A lot of great things going on over there, www.110nationsports.com. Um, but, uh, Mike, I, I know we got some uh, things to uh, jump into and uh, talk about um, for this second hour. So uh, let's do what we uh, do every uh, night, and let's uh, let's take a trip around the sports world. Okay. Uh, let me get my notes out here. Just click on, and we'll get on. There we go. Um, okay, this was interesting. I didn't even, I, I didn't even know this. 
until I um, I actually got this in my inbox. The first story I got today uh, from ESPN. Uh, if you remember the name, CJ, Tim Winchcombe. He used to be with the San Francisco Giants and the California uh, Los Angeles now Angels. Uh, he hasn't pitched since 2016, and he has signed a contract with the Texas Rangers. So I don't know what the nature of uh, the Rangers pitching is lately, but uh, they're taking a chance on a guy who hasn't pitched since uh, 2016 and uh, had apparently lost a couple of uh, miles per hour off his fastball, which is why um, the angel let him go. So uh, interesting, CJ, to see how that ends up. Uh, you know, I, I remember the name uh, when he pitched for uh, the Giants, but I even forgot that uh, the Angels picked him up after that because his fastball had uh, dropped off and the Giants had let him go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see these pitchers. Obviously, now the uh, the bit with athletes, we always say it about you know football players and um, other players that can't retire and comfortably. Uh, now it's beginning to infect baseball, I guess. The other the other story. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, you can comment on each one because we have a few. Oh, I, I got. I was. Uh, I go ahead. <laughs> what happened? Oh no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the other the, the other stories involve ba- basketball. Uh, another story I have basketball. Uh, it has to do with something we touched on last night. The NCAA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And, um, uh, Basketball, college basketball, the uh, the scandals that they're looking into that was started with uh, Rick Pitino and continued with Sean Miller. Uh, it turns out that, and I didn't know this because I don't follow the recruiting as as you know it, it, as often as I should. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal's uh, son, Shaqson, had originally committed to Arizona. And Shaq told him, no, it's too much of a mess. Uh, You're not going to Arizona. And so he decommitted. And I guess Shaq let him 
uh, pick his school, and of, of course, you know, uh, and uh, he chose UCLA. So Shaquille O'Neal's son will be going to UCLA, and for the stated reason, and you don't usually see this, sometimes you see athletes leave and you can speculate, oh, they're probably leaving because of, you know, this or that, you know, when there's something obviously scandalous in the media, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll decommit. And in this case, uh, it wasn't stated exactly, but you can gather that it was, uh, actually he did, he did say, um, excuse me, rather than not say, he did say it was specifically because of the Arizona problems that, uh, you know, the NCAA uncovered. So they actually lost the top recruit because of it. I think they said Shaq's son was like sixth on the recruiting list. So they lost the top ten recruit because of their problems. Arizona, I'm speaking of. Well, what made him choose um, UCLA? Mike, if you had... uh... If you had an opportunity to, to go to a college because it was in the spotlight or, or like UCLA because of the Ball family, or you had a chance to go to a college that um, has been known more to produce NBA players, maybe your Carolinas or Dukes, or if you had to, an opportunity to go to a college, maybe a hometown college, for me it would be like Ohio State. What what path do you think you would travel? Do you would you, you worry about where all the starlight is at? Um, regardless of the controversy, you know whatever is going on is good or bad. Um, you know, like the ball situation out in UCLA, um, is it about playing for you know a, a school like UNC and Duke, or is home pride that important to you that? you would play for, you know, a team from for our college, along with, you know, a, a big college. So, you know, fortunately for me, you got Ohio State. Um, would you play for your hometown school? Well, for me, it was interesting, but I, I, I'll go into that a little bit. But I, to answer your question, if I was a top basketball recruit, I think I would go to a Duke right now, the way things are. Or if not, then Duke or North Carolina were the two big ones. I wouldn't necessarily go to UCLA because, well, back in the day, let me put it to you this way. Back in the day, if I was a top basketball recruit, I guess I would pick UCLA because of John Wooden. That I'm dating myself, but we already know I'm, I'm the oldest one on the station, uh, you know, on the 110. But uh, me and Miss Lee, I guess, are tied in that respect. But... Uh, but as far as that goes, yeah, back in the day with John Wooden at UCLA, uh, yeah, and there was no scandal back then, believe me. Um, but now I would say probably a Duke would be, if I had to say, uh, A, that would would get me into the NBA uh, quickest, I would say a Duke pretty much uh, if I was a top recruit. And as far as how I picked my school, CJ, it was a fairly easy pick for me. Uh, all I had to do was travel one county over on Long Island with Hofstra. And then I, it was purely an idea. I, I just lucked out that 
I knew I wanted to go into journalism, and they had a top journalism school there, a top journalism uh, department. But um, I also went there specifically because the campus was uh, wheelchair accessible. That was a big, you know, that was paramount for me, uh, getting around the campus, obviously. And it was wheelchair accessible. Um, and it was the only one on Long Island that was at the time. I I guess it depends on what's for for me. And I don't even know if it really matters. I mean, I'm fortunate if I was a hometown person, which I I would be, I I would be an Ohio State Buckeye no matter what. But you you talk about the football programs, and I'm fortunate because Ohio State Buckeye football is like the equivalent of UNC and Duke when it comes to basketball. Um, and I get to have my hometown, you know, uh, college. Basketball, not so much. I mean, they've had their ups and downs. They, they've had their chance to win national titles. They've, you know, been in national title games and, and fell short. So um, not so much on the basketball. I, I think that I would still play for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, I couldn't see myself going to UCLA or any of those schools that have the pot being stirred or – seems to be fine with the pot being stirred. In other words, they could have nipped a lot of what went on with the balls in the bud, but they didn't. They allowed it to happen. Um, it, it was like this was their way to get national attention once again because their on-the-court performances were not doing it. They weren't getting the national attention. Um, so, fortunately for me, most of it's covered, you know, by picking the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, but it, you know, it's got to be tough for these young kids to, you know, make this decision, make this decision, um, you know, and make the right decision, especially with everybody coming to them, offering things that they shouldn't be offering or not allowed to be offering, and, and just seeing what schools, you know, are trending and in the in the national spotlight versus which school is best suited to help you get to the next level versus your your hometown pride and, and how you were raised and whether or not that provides the opportunity, if there's an opportunity there, um, to go that route. I, it's got to be a tough, a tough road. Right. And, I, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, with Shaq's son, uh, normally you would see the father try to um, steer them to, in, in Shaq's case, LSU. But there's very few, uh, yes, there's one or two a year, uh, maybe that make the uh, league out of LSU, like Ben Simmons, uh, off the top of my head. And back in the day, Pete Maravich and, of course, Shaq. But, you know, so that's three guys right there, but very few have made it. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I just mentioned three, um, but very few players that played at LSU uh, were a success in the league uh, of of the three that I, you know, like the three that I mentioned. Um, so I can see him picking. I was surprised that he even picked UCLA. I would think, like I said, back in the day, yes, no, no question, 
you have the John Wooden led UCLA Bruins, uh, definitely with, you know, Walton and uh, uh, Lou Alcindor at the time, who's now Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You know, th- that was the basketball school when I was growing up, a, a, you know, a sports fan. When you watch college basketball, that's the team you watched. Um, I can even remember uh, the history uh, making when they had uh, John Wooden's team had an 88-game win streak, uh, CJ, over the course of I don't know how many games there were at the time per season, but it had to be almost like three seasons they hadn't lost. And they had an 88-game win streak, and Notre Dame, of all, of all teams, went into, and they were good at that time, too, with guys like John Shoemate, and uh, that whole team was very good that year. And uh, they, they went into UCLA, Paulie Pavilion, which is always known as a, you know, uh, uh, enemy territory and tough to, tough to win there, et cetera. And they went in and, and won the game uh, and snapped UCLA's 88-game win streak. But like I said, if you wanted to go, and, and again, if this kid, you know, Shaq's kid being like, I think I read a number six rated uh, um, recruit, you would think he would pick Duke if that was the sole, you know, reason. So uh, interesting. It, I kind of was taken by surprise when he when I read he was like number six in the country. Um, so uh, interesting though, and and you know, like you said, it's it's funny in, as to why you know individuals pick individual schools because certainly that's not a, not his hometown school as far as. Uh, well, I don't know where I don't know where Shaq is living now. That's interesting. He might very well be in California, but so I think he probably think still he, stays out of the California area um, as much as he'd be going to Laker games and, and being a former yeah, Laker. I'm assuming that he's uh, he's still established out there in the West. Yeah, possibly so. But I, I when I when I when I first thought about Shaq, I was thinking, like I said, of the school of LSU. But you're right in terms of. Uh, since he played, the last team he played for is Lake, as he's probably living out in the L.A. area now anyway. Um, but interesting. That is interesting. Um, lastly, and on, on a, well, sad note, but an interesting note, as far as, uh, again, this, this drops up. The other night uh, I talked about the story uh, that was based in Parkland, and because of what happened at that school, CJ, the um, uh, the school shooter, et cetera. Um, another story came out today. Uh, Dwayne Wade, who you're familiar with, um, and we'll get to LeBron in a minute because I have two stories with LeBron as well. But Dwayne Wade, another former Cavalier who is now back in Miami, uh, he's happy to be back, he says. Um, I read the story today fully. Uh, and he said the reason that he became newsworthy today is last night he, he wore shoes commemorating, I guess, uh, the NBA allows this more than any other sport, I think, 
usually if you write on your uniform or you deface your uniform in some way, uh, you're subject to a fine of some sort. But the NBA appears to be lenient about this or either that or he got permission from the league before he did it. But he put the kid's name or number, I don't know which, it said that he honored the kid with his shoes. There was a, uh, one, of the sh- one of the victims, unfortunately, uh, one of the young students that lost their lives uh, was a Dwayne Wade fan. And Dwayne Wade heard about it, that he actually was buried in his Miami Heat jersey or his Dwayne Wade jersey. It might, might well have been a Cavalier jersey for all I know. But in any case, it was a Dwayne Wade jersey that the youth was buried in. And Dwayne Wade heard about this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And decided to honor him, I guess, by writing his number or his name, either either or, I don't know which, on the, on the shoes. And he ended up last night hitting the winning shot. So, of course, it made... You know, because of that, more than anything, and that in connection with honoring the uh, honoring the youth uh, that wore his jersey, uh, unfortunately to be buried in, uh, and he heard about that story. Uh, that the fact that he did all that last night, in, in, you know, and, and hit hit the winner. Besides, it became national news. You know, it, I'm trying to to walk this fine line because this this has been a very controversial thing when it comes to athletes and big topics. You know, we we we've seen LeBron James be very vocal about Donald Trump. We we've seen other players be very very vocal when it comes to uh, various uh, matters. Um, I, I remember the, the Miami Heat coming out and being very vocal about the Trayvon Martin thing. And, yeah. you know, so, some, yeah. of the, some of the stuff that they've been vocal about and players and, and people in general, they they reacted and said what they said before all the facts came out. And, and, and this is not in reference to the floor shooting, but for instance, the Michael Brown thing. You know, when it first came out, it was perceived as poor Michael Brown. He was innocent, this, that, and the other. Once the truth came out, you you, you found out that there was many many opportunities for him to stop the path he was going down, but instead he had a weapon, and instead he refused to be arrested, and instead he stole. There, there was a lot of things that led to finally what happened and the unfortunate you know chain of events. Um, I understand that. Our past 
have created platforms for us to have opportunity to speak on different things, even even such as Mike and myself. Um, it, it, we're not on the national level as LeBron James, or, or we'll keep a comparison to radio. We're not on the level of Dan Patrick and uh, Callum, <laughs> Colin Calhoun and, and so forth. Um, you know, one day we're, we're hoping that, you know, the one cent nation, you know, gets to be, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. But, you know, we'll take the, the hundreds of thousands of listeners that we have and, and we're thrilled to death. And, you know, we, we get that platform. We, we get to put our opinions out there, our thoughts, our feelings, you know, on, on certain subjects. And, and a lot of off-the-field topics I, I stay out of, um, even if it's – Sports related, a lot of them. If it's off the field, um, I, I, yeah. think, I think the national anthem was to me considered on the field. So you know, it was something that we talked about. Plus, the extensive military background that a lot of us have here at the One Ten Nation. Um, I, I think that outside of that, I think the only other really big topic that we talked about that was really considered off the field was probably the uh um the Ray Luton but um 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 the running back uh um, um yeah uh Ray Rice. Is it Ray Rice? Ray Rice. The running back of the yes. Baltimore Ravens that knocked his wife clean the freak out in the, the elevator. Um, you know, and, and I, I still think that the NFL's attempt was that just to show um, with the commercials when you really still have not done anything to clean up the NFL and there's still that stuff going on. But I, we, even though we have the platform that we have, we still I, – I still try to steer clear of that. And, and the big reason is, yes, we have this platform, and, yes – you know, we could throw our thoughts out there and our opinions and our feelings about things just like we watch LeBron do. I, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Cleveland Cavalier fan. I'm not a diehard LeBron James fan. I am a diehard, and I think a lot of people get that messed up or get that twisted. And I have a lot of people, when they come into my, my store and we're talking, they, they'll, they'll ask. That's the first thing they ask when I talk about Cleveland Cavaliers. Are you a LeBron James fan or a Cleveland Cavalier fan? And I explain to him, I'm an all Cleveland fan. I'm a Browns fan. I'm an Indian fan. I'm a Cavalier fan. I'm a Buckeye. I'm a Blue Jacket. There, there's no, okay, LeBron's going to, you know, went to Miami. Now I'm a Miami fan or, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm a Cleveland fan. I, I stuck with Cleveland um, regard, regardless. Um, I don't agree with, a lot of things that LeBron uses his – I don't agree with what he says on his platform a lot of times. I, I, I think – Well, the next, the I next think two that, stories are going to blow you away in that instance. But anyway, go ahead. I, I think that there's a, there's a, lot of, a lot of positive things that could come out of athletes like what Dwayne Wade's doing on, the, on this platform. But also, I think that there's a lot of negativity and, and a lot of pot stirring when you have athletes go running at the mouth and throwing their, their opinions out there on every day or just comment. To me, there's a difference between, you know, using your platform to, to help the school that just went through a shooting or helping the kids um, cope with the shooting or what Dwayne Wade's doing versus 
then using that platform to, to bash gun control, okay? I don't get into the whole debate of gun control. I, I, I feel that it's my right to carry and to own a weapon. It is. Um, I have a 12 and a 22. My, my biggest example is you, you look at Chicago who has gun control, the highest murder rate in, in the United States, I think even possibly the world, and then you have a state like Texas that you're allowed to carry guns and you don't hear about school shootings because nobody's stupid enough to carry a, a gun into a school because there's going to be about 15 teachers with guns themselves. Um, so I, the whole gun control debate, that, that thing is, is a never-ending fight between Republicans and Democrats that I, I just I, I, I try to stay out of because I, regardless, I'm going to have my guns. Regardless if the law changes or not, my stuff is not registered. I, you know, I bought it legally, and you know, but I, I've never registered, registered my weapons. I never, you know, they're my weapons. I, you know, I don't feel that everybody needs to know everything I do or everything I own. Um, so the, there's there's different routes and, and different ways um, that athletes can use the platforms they are on. Some of them use it good. Some of them, some of the time, use it good. Like I said, I'm a Cleveland Cavalier fan, not necessarily a LeBron James fan. I have a lot of respect for LeBron James, what he does on the court. I can do away with all the dramatic extras. I, I honestly, one of the, the biggest pet peeves of mine when it comes to LeBron James is it seems like every time he goes down to the courts, I understand there's a lot of fouls that don't get called. There's a lot of fouling going on. Just suck it up. You're, you're built like a freaking football player. Um, it, it should not be that dramatic. Um, that's one of the reasons why I despise James Hart as much as I do. That that the biggest flopper in the NBA. I think it's beyond a joke <laughs> that he's ever in a discussion about MVP because most of what he do, does is an act and orchestrated, and he's manipulated the system, not because he's that good of a player, is because he's that good of an actor, and that's all it is. Um, that's why it's when, when we talk about players and we talk about things they say, um, if it be LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Dwayne Wade, I, I kind of tread, you know, and, and walk a fine line because when they talk about these things for the good or cause, and do it the right way, positively, and it's a great thing, and people come together. But when you have those that use it negatively or in the wrong way, like a lot of times LeBron James uses his, his platform wrong, all it does is cause controversy, stirs the pot, and, and does not help America become a whole it helps keep everybody divided, and that's where I have a big issue. I, I you know, I'm not one of those reporters or, or hosts or, or journalists or anything that I shut up and just play basketball or just dribble the ball. I'm not, I'm not one of those people because I, I believe there's a lot of positive things that can come out of them using their platform correctly. But I'm also not all in on the players using their platforms because they're not all using it correctly. Right, and uh, I just, you know, I, I agree with you, and I, I, I didn't see any big deal, especially since the kid, you know, was buried in his jersey, and he really uh, 
was affected by that in a, in a, you know that uh, the kid was a fan to such a degree where where he would want to be I guess uh, somewhere along the line I guess a kid of uh, seventeen or however old he was doesn't think about such things but he might have said something like mom or dad if anything God forbid ever happens to me I want to be buried in my uh, Dwayne Wade jersey. I, I I can't imagine that at 17 you would have that conversation. But on the other hand, his parents must have realized maybe he wears you know Dwayne Wade's gear all the time or some such thing where they you know it was easily recognizable that he was a tremendous Dwayne Wade fan. For all we know, he could have had everything all of his gear hanging in his room or whatever the case may be. But uh, I think that really affected Dwayne Wade and what he did. Um, I agree with you, though. I don't think that, like you said, how many times you mentioned even with the, uh, I forget what it was, you know, at the beginning of the week, if they, oh, the kneeling. Uh, Well, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, on Thursday, starting with Thursday night football, you kneel. But what do you do on, uh, you know, once Monday night football's over, what do you do on Tuesday when there's no TV? So in that in that sense, I agree with you. I don't think it was tremendously in bad taste or whatever to do what Dwayne Wade did, though. I think I think that was, uh, you know, meant to be a tribute. More or less, uh, I mean, to the kid maybe, but more obviously to, for something that the parents could, could uh, you know, identify with and, and give them a source of uh, strength or pride at a very tough time. So I can see why Dwayne Wade did it and uh, in view of the connection. And uh, I don't think there was anything inherently bad about it. Um, but the two that are going to drive you crazy based on what you just said, um, LeBron came out, uh, first of all, positively on the, on the, um, let's stay on the court since we, we, uh, went off the court here for a bit. Uh, he is the first. Um, individual, the oldest individual, excuse me, I got to read this right, that uh, has has uh, averaged a triple-double for a month. Now, if you, you can look at it as an accomplishment or you can look at it as with the start, you know, prior to the Cavaliers um, pulling all those trades at the trade deadline and strengthening themselves, um, you could look at it, well, he, he might have been, you know, averaging a triple-double for a month, but look at the state of the team. LeBron had to score in order for him to keep Cleveland, you know, you know in, in, I won't say in the race because they weren't going to drop out of the playoff race, but as bad as as bad as the team was was constituted at the beginning of the year, uh, LeBron more or less had to do the bulk of the scoring. Um, 
And um, so that's where the triple doubles come from. And I know the reason I say it's going to drive you crazy, CJ, is because you're always saying about those those things like that players are honored for in the press aren't always, um, you know, uh, how should I say, a positive thing, like in the same vein as, you know, Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double. Well, where did that get him and the, and the Oklahoma City Thunder last year? Uh, not even in the playoffs, et cetera. So I know... I know you're pet peeve with those kind of statistics, but that was one story. Um, the other one will really drive you nuts, and I, I don't know if you're aware of it. I know you follow LeBron Cleveland rather religiously. Um, LeBron called the NCAA, and again, only because he's LeBron James does he get to say it on a national level. It's probably something that a number of people have have mentioned, but he called the NCAA corrupt. Now we could we could sit not necessarily on the radio, CJ, but in our own homes and be reading a story to ourselves, or you know, around even a, a you know, like you say where you work, or you know, fans come in to talk to you and buy a cup of coffee or whatever. You might say it to a fan here and there, but you're not going to say it on national radio. Well, LeBron came out in the press and called the NCAA corrupt in in uh, in relation to the college basketball scandals, and said that the NCAA has to look at or something must be done to give these kids an alternative to uh, playing NCAA basketball. I think he was referring to more or less of a D league in the. Uh, in the NBA like they used to have or something that's more prominent within the NBA or under NBA auspices. Um, but, and I say, here again, you say a name player, obviously the name right now in basketball is LeBron James and coming out and saying something like that, CJ. So I don't know if, if you saw anything, um, having followed, as you say, the Cavaliers as closely as you do, I don't know if you saw anything on that prior to it coming out nationally, but LeBron James ended up saying that the NCAA uh, was corrupt. No, I've not seen nothing on that. Yeah, well, uh, interesting. Like I said, it's just, um, I don't know. I don't know what alternative he was thinking of, but the only thing that I can think of would be like a D-league for these kids that don't necessarily stay in school and maybe right away they're not good enough to make the NBA or go into the draft. Maybe uh, LeBron was thinking of like a D-league for for basketball. But uh, something I didn't put up, CJ, but I saw a little note because it's one of these notes and a lot of times I can't put them up because they're not whole stories yet. And I'll be I'll be watching to see if anything else is mentioned. But like Peter King, and I know you're you 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 love Peter King too. But Peter King mentioned in one of his columns that three years too late. And I don't re- recall this catch, but 
I guess it must have been something that that came out nationally. Um, attached that Des Bryant supposedly made or didn't make it was one of those NBA catch rules situations. Well, they came down three years later and admitted their mistake, and the NFL admitted that Des Bryant made the catch, like a lot of good it's going to do uh, now, three years later. But I just thought it was interesting that why would the NFL, even if they made a mistake, admit it three years later, what good, what good does it do, you know, at this stage to say we made a mistake, you know? After a game, maybe, or during a game, yes, but not three years later. Yeah, that that one should have been taken to the grave by the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand, you know, what, why, how they could benefit from it, you know. But uh, Des Bryant's probably sitting there saying, "Thank you," you know. What what does it do for us now, you know? But uh, interesting with that, CJ. I don't know. Very, very strange things that come out sometimes. It's just uh, like, why should it come out today? Or I think I saw it yesterday in Peter King's column. I just, I don't know. I I, I don't know what the, the, uh, you know, idea of saying something like that is. uh, Because you can't rectify it, you know. What do you do? Give them an automatic 10-yard first down uh, the first game of the regular season in 2018? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they would admit it now. You know, the NFL always likes to stir up stuff. I'm waiting for the NFL to admit that uh, they were wrong for suspending um, Tom Brady for four games. I guess it'll be on me how you suspend somebody for four games without any proof at all. Um, just all accusations right. and assumptions there. So um, I, I'm waiting for that day to happen. Right. Um, and I don't know. And, and, and uh, the the interesting thing that we had on last night, the story we had on last night, uh, and even, even Izzo commented on it, uh, the Jerry Jones thing, that's going to be the next mess that they're going to have to clear up or clean up somehow. Uh, and uh, we'll see if uh, Roger Goodell gets his contract. I was under the impression that he already got it. Um, I, I I thought that uh, uh, the end of last year he signed it. Uh, you know, when he ended a period. I think I think that was the idea of the NFL going after the legal uh, uh, the legal fees for it because they. Uh, because uh, the the you know Jerry Jones lost, so with Jerry Jones lost, it means that uh, Goodell got his contract. So I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a there's a sub uh, um, story going on, but obviously it's still uh, some portion of it is dragging through the courts because Goodell got his contract. Um, we got race this weekend coming up, Mike. Where, uh, where, where are the guys going to be at? Vegas. Vegas, baby. It's an interesting race. Vegas. Track, I would, I would I I have, love to have an opportunity. 
I actually uh, did my fantasy picks this week. I have, uh, I have, uh, I'm in three three leagues in one uh, one game and uh, another uh, one league in another. So I'm in four leagues this year. Uh, mm-hmm. None of which cost none of which cost me money. So that's why it it, it fit into my economic. Uh, uh, you know, profile, but um, I basically, uh, as much as it hurt me, I picked Kyle Bush because it's Las Vegas, and I picked Kurt, uh, Kurt Bush to uh, win the poll because usually they do well at their home track, so we'll see what happens. But, um, and strangely enough, I was looking into uh, the histories of all the drivers that have done well at Las Vegas, I think two, um, two are um, still driving. Uh, the majority of them have retired. The last person to retire that did exceedingly well in his career at Las Vegas was Dale Earnhardt Jr., believe it or not. Uh, Jeff Gordon was another. So um, the the I think something like the top uh, six drivers, uh, four of them are now retired. Uh, the other two um, that are that do well, and I picked both of them because they're at Las Vegas this week, was Jimmy Johnson and um, Kyle Busch. So we'll see uh, what happens with that. Who's your pick, CJ? Huh, 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 huh. I can definitely see Kyle Bush winning it. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm gonna stick with my pick last week. For some reason, I think Chase Elliott is going to break that uh, break out of that moment. He's going to get him a win, and I think it's going to be early in this season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Chase Elliott, um, even though my gut tells me Kyle Bush is the pick for this week. Um, I, I don't want to p- miss out on the week that Chase Elliott uh, does win, so I can say I told y'all he was going to win. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my uh, Chase Elliott pick. Okay, uh, I and I got killed with this last year, but I'm going to, uh, uh, like I said, I gave him my picks for Vegas, but for uh, uh, California and Phoenix, which is the next, I believe that's the West Coast swing. I'm going to go with Mr. Harvick. Last year he burned me twice because uh, he had done so well historically on the West Coast. Uh, but uh, somewhere along the line, uh, I'm going to pick uh, Harvick uh, for the two uh, uh, West Co- the uh, the California swing. I'll call it the. Uh, the uh, Auto Club Raceway and Auto Cup Speedway and uh, Phoenix uh, were the two that uh, Harvick did exceedingly well. And I also picked him for Atlanta, strangely enough, and I could have done that for both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series, but I, I picked him basically because he won his first race there and I got lucky with Harvick. That was my only pick that I got lucky with, but uh, as far as this week. But um, we'll see what happens at Vegas. Um, 
I don't know, all three, all three uh, divisions or all three uh, series are running again this week, CJ. So what do you think about the trucks and the and the um, Xfinity this this weekend? I, I like the young guys. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised seeing someone like Christopher Bell out of the Xfinity series winning the race this weekend. Um, truck series. I think it's going to be a young guy. I don't think it's going to be a first-time winner, but I, I think somebody young, uh, a Ben Rhodes or somebody, um, wouldn't surprise me if they found themselves in victory lane. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, as, far as, as far as trucks, if Ky- I, I hate to say this, but if Kyle Busch is running, uh, that that pretty much it's going to come down to to me, if 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 the cup if if Kyle Busch runs, it comes down to three people. Okay, it would come down to Kyle Busch, Matt Crafton, or Johnny Slaughter. Whenever the veterans are in there. Um, as far as Xfinity, who knows? Up in the air. I don't think. Um, you know, I have a I have a clear favorite yet. A um, couple of guys ran strong. Wouldn't surprise me to see a uh, Xfinity veteran. I certainly hope so. I hope it's not a uh, a um, you know a cup guy again. If I had to say uh, an Xfinity regular, I I would tend to go with uh, Al Geyer. I'd like to see him win one uh, early on. We'll see what happens there, um, but. Um, I don't know. It, it's 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 a tough the the Vegas thing is a tough pick with those two. Um, I just you know I I'd like to see um, you know those guys do well and and you know who's run strong in trucks. Now that I think of it, and I'm I'm just thinking of another uh, thing I sent Miss Lee. I'm going to post it um, because it's of interest because. Uh, he's a favorite of the show. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, has run strong in the trucks uh, for the last two weeks. Also, CJ, I didn't realize, and maybe you did because you you, uh, had more exposure to him. I won't say talking to him. I've I've done that on the radio with you. But in terms of looking into his hometown, et cetera, it slipped my mind until... Uh, last night, I actually posted something from Twitter, or I sent something from Twitter to Miss Lee, and I'll, I'll post it on Facebook and also uh, post it on the uh, on Twitter. So I'll, I'll uh, tag the 110 Nation, of course. Uh, but Noah Gregson um, was at the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights hockey game and got to, I guess the the ceremonial thing they do out there, and I, I wasn't aware of this until I saw the uh, Twitter, uh, the tweet from uh, Noah Gregson. Uh, he got to sound the siren. I guess that's what they do out there uh, before the uh, before the drop of the puck. So uh, Noah Gregson was at the hockey game last night, and I thought it was. Uh, Interesting how they introduced the tweet. I guess maybe Noah wrote it uh, because it was on his account. Um, 
It said, gentlemen, start your dot, dot, dot hockey, you know. And he's there uh, with, I guess, a family member or somebody wearing uh, jerseys and uh, sounding the siren to, uh, at the beginning of the uh, uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights hockey game on Thursday night. Or Tuesday night, excuse me. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to this weekend. Um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very exciting. I, I guess, I guess it's different for us, Mike, because uh, a lot of these drivers that we're talking about now have been on the show. Um, your Ben Rhodes, your, your Dalton Sargent, your Natalie Decker. And, and so we, we've got a chance to sit down and talk with them. We've gotten to know them. We, we've gotten to watch them. Um, and, and, you know, now we, we find ourselves, you know, rooting them on more and more. Um, and, and it's not that some of these other stations and other shows don't get them on, but we've gotten them on more frequently, and, and we've gotten to, you know, spend a lot more time with them. And uh, definitely uh, definitely excited about this mm-hmm. season because, when we started being on the show together, that's, you know, those drivers were coming out of, the, out of their local tracks and just getting into the K&N series or the Arctic series. Now, you know, we, we you got Dalton and, and Christopher and so forth, you know, now in the Xfinity or truck series. And, you know, now we, we got a whole new cycle of people that are drivers that are coming up through those uh, local tracks and K&N that we get to learn. And, and so, now it kind of is growing and growing. And, and so this year to me is a little bit, has gotten to be a little bit more exciting and than any other year because the, the, the pool of drivers that we've had on the show and the relationships we have built have built are, are getting bigger and bigger. And uh, it makes, it makes off season a very long off season. Uh, you, these, these drivers talk about it's a short off season. It's long for us. Because we're, we're ready to get back in the studio. We're ready to uh, see what, you know, what's been going on in the offseason. We're ready to see what the plans are for 2018. We're ready to see, you know, how, you know, the car is feeling and at practice and everything else. Um, so it's, it's, it's a long break for us. Right. Um, speaking of Natalie, you, you, um, you struck another nerve with me, CJ, because uh, did you happen to see the poll question I posted on uh, – um, on Facebook, they had uh, not. It wasn't initially on Facebook. It was on the ARCA website. They asked a poll question on the ARCA website. In view of Natalie's showing at Daytona, will she be the first female to win? Um, you know, uh, I guess a title, or I, I forget exactly how they phrased the question. But will she be the most successful? female in the ARCA series this year. And, uh, you know, I, I guess they were naming like uh, um, Leilani and a couple of others that have been known to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know whether it was specifically ARCA that they were referring to, but it was referring to her showing, uh, you know, a positive showing. Uh, and will she be the most successful Female, I guess. I guess they meant across all series. It would make sense 
uh, successful female this year, and we just had Molly on, so that would that that would be interesting to say the least. Uh, wish them both luck, of course, but um, I, I just I just I happened to post that today. Uh, it's on my timeline and also on the 110 pages, so um, you know you can go over and look at that, but. Uh, and it was actually a poll question that was posed on the ARCA website. I'll definitely have to uh, check that out. Uh, until about 7.30, we were wide open all day long, so uh, I have not had a lot of opportunity to uh, look at really much of anything. No, I, I understand, but, uh, yeah, but, I, you know, when you said, something, you know, you're running people down there, and I, you mentioned Natalie in it, it struck. It, it reminded me that the poll question did appear. I actually got. I'm, you know, I'm a member of the website, uh, ARCA website, and they sent it to me in an email, and uh, I posted that up right away. Uh, with, uh, as I do any um, new ARCA news, um, but it's interesting that um, they they um, they asked that question regarding Natalie and and uh, will she be the most successful one across you know across all series woman across all series this year this season well as we're getting to the uh top of the uh the hour let's go ahead and uh, start wrapping things up so I can uh Start uh, one relieve my my help and uh, let her go back on her way. She was about to, about to pass out before uh, she had to come in, but also gives me an opportunity to start working on things so I can get out of here. So I'll be back here at 4:30 tomorrow morning. So let's go ahead and let them know what you got going on Friday, Mike, and uh, let them know where you can be found, liked, and all the whatnots. Okay, uh, we have uh, like I said, one confirmed guest for Friday night right now. I'll put the information up as soon as I we sign off here uh, on the on the hot laps with stats page. Uh, Kevin uh, Gamba Gamba Coda uh, I'll get I'll get used to that name before Friday. I trust me. Uh, a late model driver at Stafford. Uh, he will join us. We will talk about his racing career, how he started, and what's ahead for him. In uh, 2018, he is a uh, competitor at Stafford Speedway. And once again, I want to have as many Stafford drivers on uh, during the off-season as I can before they start. Uh, there are 20, I believe, uh, the guys were telling us last week they have a 27-week um, schedule at Stafford, and everybody is booked up clear to October once uh, the season starts in April. So we will get as many guys as we can from Stafford on uh, before uh, the April Spring Sizzler. But Kevin uh, Gambacola, Gambacoda, <laughs> I will get the name right, uh, a late model driver from Stafford, has been confirmed. He will be with us. Friday, and I have a couple of possibilities for the second hour I'm looking into as well. And just as an advanced program note for my program, next Friday, uh, we will have uh, a pre 
pre-Myrtle Beach, I guess you'd say. Every year I try to get Jimmy on before the season starts for any updates on the Whalen Modified Tour. The NASCAR Whalen Modified Tour director, Jimmy Wilson, will be on with us next Friday night. Um, So stay tuned for that. And uh, in the meantime, I will be making an announcement over the next two days about the uh, about the guest in the second hour, uh, whoever uh, responds to me in the positive. Uh, I'm looking at possibly uh, Chris Turbish and possibly another person as well in case Chris can't make it. Um, so we'll see what happens with that situation. You can find me on my personal Facebook page, the 110 Nation pages, the Hot Laps with Stats pages, uh, the blog site, and my Twitter account, which is at Stats108. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the 110 Nation Sports Show. I'm right here on the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at 110 Nation. Give us a like on Facebook, 110 Nation Sports. Check out our site, www.110nationsports.com, for all the latest. Got to thank Fit for Life, the I-95 uh, Sports Network, and Mile High Radio. Without these great marketing partners and or networks, we wouldn't be able to do what we do and grow the way we grow. Um, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, you got uh, Race Chat Live with uh, Craig and Chris. I'm looking forward to that. Of course, Friday night, you got the Hot Last with Stats, 8 o'clock, right here on the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network. Uh, make sure you guys don't miss none of that, and make sure you guys check us out. Um, you guys have a great uh, rest of the week, a great weekend, Monday night, for 110 Nation Sports Show. Be right back here at 8 o'clock. Until then. I got to hit the, hit the uh, outro. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, oh, come on. I had the thing over here, too. Okay, let's see. Come on. Please, there you go. Uh, outro. Sorry about that, CJ. Here we go. Thanks for listening to the 110 Nation Sports Show with Mr. CJ Sports. You are a part of the 110 Nation, so be sure to visit the 110nation.com for everything related to the show. You can follow CJ on Twitter at 110nation and on Facebook at 110nation Sports. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.